In the beginning was the word. I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? It's just a You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Joining us today is a good buddy of mine. Well, I've met him once, and I feel like we're mates already. Uh, his name's Mike Kai, author of the book The Pound for Pound Principle. He's pastor of a church called Hope Chapel in the beautiful island of Oahu in Hawaii. We've got him on the line at the moment. How are you doing, Pastor Mike? Good, Matt. Good to be with you. Now, we did meet at uh, the Hillsong Conference. I was able to do a brief interview with you there. And uh, I also saw you speak at the New Hope uh, Conference a couple of years ago in Hawaii. And I was just so impressed. And I've been so excited to see uh, what God's been doing in your life. Um, firstly, mate, are you missing Hawaii while you're in Australia at the moment? Uh, no, I'm not missing Hawaii. I miss a few people in Hawaii. <laughs> I don't miss Hawaii right now. I'm glad I'm in Sydney. I love Sydney. Oh, well, it's good to have you in Australia, mate. Thank you for joining us on the radio today. Um, now, mate, um, for those who don't know much of your story, uh, tell us, uh, where were you born and raised and what was life like for you as a young fellow? Well, I was born and raised on the island, <coughs> excuse me, on the island of Hawaii. Uh, it's one of the eight major islands in the beautiful, beautiful Pacific. Uh, grew up on, in a small town called Honoka'a, of about 2,000 people, and so I had a great rural upbringing from my middle-class parents, John and Esther Kai. My father was a police officer, and my mom was a, you know, she was a stay-at-home, stay-at-home mom sometimes, but also was a receptionist and worked in personnel, and I uh, had a great upbringing, um, close-knit family, older brother and a younger sister and a younger brother, so four kids and uh, grew up in, the, in a great town, great time. Now, everyone knows Hawaii is a great place to surf. Did you surf a lot as a young fella? I bodyboarded or, or boogie-boarded more yeah. than I surfed. Okay. Um, we lived an hour away from the ocean, believe it or not, so it took a while to get there. So my dad wasn't a surfer, so I didn't surf, so we just played baseball, basketball, football, mm-hmm. and bodyboarded on our own. Oh, very cool. And what about um, any religious influence as a young fella? Yeah, I, I, I'm very, very thankful for my mom and dad uh, instilling religion in us when we were younger. Um, we, I was baptized in the Catholic Church. Um, I was an altar boy. I uh, got confirmed in the Catholic Church. And uh, I, I have to say I had a good experience um, in my Catholic upbringing, and I'm thankful for it. It laid a great foundation for um, when I would come to Jesus later. So tell us about those teenage years. You know, so obviously raised in the Catholic Church, you knew you had a good sense of right and wrong. Yeah. But did you have a real strong relationship with Jesus in your teenage years? For me personally, no. I did not have a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I was your average typical kid. I knew right from wrong. I was probably nicer and more conscientious than the rest of the kids uh, in my class, uh, my age, the guys. But I definitely knew right from wrong, and I did a lot of wrong um, growing up, uh, tested the waters, pushed the envelope, all of those proverbial sayings, uh, and then eventually got myself into trouble a lot. But I definitely um, was a good kid. I worked hard. I worked uh, at teenage, you know, I, I worked at grocery stores growing up and at gas stations, petrol stations. And that's what I did. And I went to school and I played sports. Okay, and then you had a real conversion experience at the age of 21. Tell us what happened. Well, first of all, um, uh, when I graduated from, the, from my high school at the age of 17, I moved to the big city of Honolulu. Now, that's like a, a million people in Honolulu. And from 2,000 people population to a million, it was definitely culture shock, Matt. I mean, it was shocking. But at the same time, I realized I had a lot of freedom. Uh, I realized I didn't have to go to class at university if I didn't want to. I didn't realize that till my second or third semester. 
um, a lot of things, you know, going out, and I started drinking, hanging out with the boys, and um, started to get myself into more serious trouble and not paid very much attention to my studies and um, got, you know, met girls, but definitely fell in love with this one girl that we, came, we became very serious very quickly. And um, now, now going back, I didn't know Jesus. Um, I was, you know, a lot of restraints were taken off of me. I was shaking them loose while I was on, uh, in Honolulu. And I met this girl, we fell in love, and I ended up getting her pregnant by the time of my sophomore year in college, Matt. Um, so very shocking. I didn't realize, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine me being a, a father, but I did, I believe, was the courageous thing and the right thing, and I praised God for it, and I decided that I would marry her and that we would not abort this baby. Um, I'm so thankful that we didn't do that, and I'm thankful that I had my, little, my first daughter, Courtney, um, but after a year of being married, um, things just went from bad to even worse. I'd quit school. I lost all my dreams and my goals um, because I had to take care of this little girl and my wife and this family. And um, before I knew it, after a year of working at a gas station and a pizza hut at the same time, um, she was not happy. We were fighting a lot, and eventually she she left, and she never came back. And mm. so I'm alone at 21, you know, me trying to fend for myself, but I've got this little girl to take care of at the same time. So that really drew me to my knees even and back to God, but, you know, just to pray at least. And I didn't know him intimately, but my friends had seen that I was becoming suicidal. I was, de- uh, I was depressed and I was angry at the same time. <laughs> so they um, would witness to me and tell me about coming to church with them. And finally, my, my, my best friend, Brandon, just was on my case all the time and just said, you've got to come to church. And I finally, just to get him off my back, I said, okay, I'll go to church with you. And over 20-something years ago, at the age of 21, um, single father, walking into this church, for the very first time, Matt, I, I heard the gospel very clearly from my pastor, who's now my mentor, Ralph Moore. And I gave my life to Jesus that day at the age of 21. And... Um, yeah. Wow, what an amazing story of, you know, really hitting rock bottom and, uh, you know, being like the prodigal son. But you you had a, a transformation experience then. Did everyone notice the big change in your life? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, my parents noticed it, and they were a little concerned uh, coming from their background religiously and seeing their son get all excited about something like this, and especially religion. Um, so they, they were a little concerned. They were very concerned, actually. My mom was a little hurt that I wasn't coming back to the Catholic Church, and she took it a little personally. Um, and also when we were trying to keep the marriage together, um, I changed so much that it was attractive to, um, to you know, my first wife, and she wanted to c- try and come back and move back from the mainland and try again, but the changes in me were so radical that she just couldn't handle it. I was just too much of, a, you know, what, what she called a Jesus freak mm-hmm. by then. And I love the Lord so much, and I changed so much compared to what I used to be. So, yeah, everybody noticed there was a big change in my life. And then what happened next in the journey? Um, obviously, you're a pastor of a large church. Now you're an author. You've done all this stuff. What did you do, Bible college or something soon after that? Or? Well, before we jump to the, the, uh, being a pastor, um, after the, the, the finalization of the divorce, um, which I could only get through Scripture um, and um, of marital unfaithfulness, and I definitely was not unfaithful through that whole history. I, I just have to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for two years, I was single, 
and just living for Jesus and raising my daughter and working really, really hard. And then finally I had met Lisa, who would become my wife, and we dated for a year, and we got married three months later. And um, so I thank God for a second chance. I praise God for this beautiful woman in my life. And we now have two more daughters. And so here we are. We've got three girls. Wow. And um, Pastor Ralph picked me up on his staff. I never got to leave and go to Bible college because, and you know, in Hawaii, believe it or not, there weren't any Bible colleges. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, New Hope Christian College is the first really thriving one that's actually accredited. So I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity. I took a lot of classes uh, without credit, but I also got the best training possible by Ralph Moore. And um, so I had a lot of training, um, Bible college classes, definitely, a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine. But at the end of the day, um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And that's who I am, definitely. Yeah. So Pastor Ralph Moore really picked you up. And, you know, he's got a, a very large church on Hawaii as well. How many people attend his church? Well, I think his church is over, he's retiring now, but it's over 2,500 people in his church. But also, you have to understand that out of the original Hope Chapel that he started in California back in, like, 1971, there are now over 700 Hope Chapels throughout the world. Wow. And uh, loosely affiliated, <clears throat> but out of that one church, the multiplication. And so that's what, I, that's what Lisa and I were trained under. We're trained yeah. under discipleship and multiplication. You know, I visit Hawaii regularly to the, the New Hope Church over there for the Doing Churches a Team conference, and mm, yeah. uh, I remember watching on the Christian TV there, every second preacher on there is a Hope Chapel pastor who's preaching, you know, something, and there, there's Hope yeah. Chapels all across the island of H- Hawaii. Do, do you know how many off the top of your head, how many Hope Chapels there are? Well, there are about 30 Hope Chapels um, in the state of Hawaii, and yep. about 25 New Hopes, and we're closely related. We're all, we're all under the International Church of the Four Square Gospel yeah. in the United States, and so, yeah, we're all over the place. And so how did you um, launch out and start leading your church? Well, I thought I was going to plant a church right out of Pastor Ralph's church or take over his church when he retired, because that was the plan between me and him. But something changed. My fifth year of being a uh, high school pastor, the Lord called me to leave there and to go take over a struggling church that had 40 people in it and five previous pastors in a 13-year period. Now, mm-hmm. how's that? I mean, I definitely did not want that situation. That's not what I would have wanted for myself. Yeah. Um, but I know the Lord called Lisa and I to do it, and that was crazy. But we believed He called us to do it, and so that's what we did. We left our church and uh, went 30 miles in a different direction to take over this church. And um, it's 40 people, just beautiful people that we just loved and served, and some stayed and some didn't. Um, but it just grew because we wanted to reach the community and reach people for Jesus. That was the, at the end of the day. We wanted to reach lost people and mm. make disciples. And how many are in attendance now at your church? We're about 3,500 on the weekend now. Wow, you're and busy. <laughs> we're busy. We got, a, we got a great team, great people, awesome church, Matt. I got to say, I love my church. And how many services do you preach at on a weekend? Well, we've got six services on the Whew. weekend, and I preach either three or four. At the wow, time. so exciting, mate. Well, it's so good to uh, hear the, the story of what the Lord's done. And now, you, you've got this new message that you're bringing, the pound-for-pound pound principle. Tell us what this is all about. Yeah, the pound-for-pound pound principle is the book based on the parable of the talents that you find in Matthew chapter 25. And um, so each person is given something, either one talent or two talents and five talents. But the bottom line is, even though one guy buries it, and that's the, that's the moral of the story, don't bury your talent. You need to multiply it and, and use it for God's glory. Don't maintain. God cannot stand maintenance, but he loves multiplication. And so the end of the story is, at the end of the day, the pound-for-pound pound principle is this. 
What are you doing with what God gave you? Yeah, such a good message because, you know, the truth is there are so many Christians on the planet who are in maintenance mode. They, yeah. They're just they're just happy just to attend church and exactly. get involved occasionally, but yeah. you know you look at the, the the apostles in the book of Acts that they weren't in maintenance mode, were they? No, absolutely not. And and churches all you know not just in Australia but America too, my friend. Especially in, in even in Hawaii, not especially, but even in Hawaii, yeah, people attend church but they don't belong to the church. They don't serve in the church or give to the church. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going home to change a lot of that in my own yeah, church. Yeah, good on you, mate. Well, it's been so good to hear your story today, and I really believe that uh, God is raising up a new generation of uh, young pastors and preachers and authors. Uh, like uh, we were just talking before about some of our mutual friends in Hawaii. You know, there's Aaron Cadero, the son of Wayne Cadero. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, Mike Lewin, another young guy over there yeah. who's just on fire for God. Dave Barr, uh, all these. I, I'm, I'm connected to all these guys, and I just think, wow, you know, if we could capture some of the stuff you guys are doing and transplant that into Australia, um, you know, we could see a, a great move of God in Australia as well. Um, and, and tell me, w- w- while you're out here in Australia, do you find that there's a big difference in church culture from what you see in Hawaii and there is in Australia? Well, I've, I've experienced a cu- uh, several different cultures, and I would say that um, the, uh, some of the cultures that I've experienced in Australia in t- terms of church culture have been just healthy cultures, in my opinion. Yeah. But I've also seen, and like America, but I've seen my share of unhealthy church cultures here. Yeah. And, and, and definitely concerned me and concerns me. And I think it's all about unity. That's the most important thing. Yeah. People being unity. There's mm-hmm. unity, there's honor, and there's love. And I think that is the key ingredient to having a healthy church culture. Yeah, amen. That's good stuff, mate. Now, before we go, yeah. um, I know that um, earlier on in your story, you shared about at 21, you had a conversion experience. Yeah. Mike, there might be people listening that have never actually heard the gospel and don't know what it means to give their hearts to Jesus. Would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? Well, the gospel is simply this, that God sent his only son uh, to, to live on this earth, to relate to us through his own humanity while not giving up his deity. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life also tells us in John chapter 3 that you must be born again. That means you were once born from your mother's womb, but now you must be born of God's Spirit. And it's not about how good you are. It's not, a hub, it's not about how many good deeds you do. It's not about um, how many prayers you pray and what direction you pray those prayers. All that matters is this, is what are you doing with Jesus? And so if you're listening on this radio right now and you're hearing my voice, I want to encourage you to just surrender your life to Jesus. I'll tell you right now, if you give your life to Jesus, this is, what, this is what He's going to do. He's going to forgive you of all of your sins, everything that you've ever done. He's going to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to, re- to be remembered again. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far He will remove your sin, your guilt, your shame from you. The other thing that will happen, not, not only will you be forgiven of all of your sins, but you'll also have a place in heaven that when you die, you will be in heaven. There's only two places. There's heaven, there's hell. There's no purgatory. There's no reincarnation. You're not coming back as somebody else, something else, another time. You get one shot at this life and then eternity. And eternity is a long time. And so if you give your life to Jesus and surrender to him, you have the forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life with him in heaven, meaning your last breath on earth will be your first breath in heaven, and one more thing I like to add, Matt, is this, is you will have a plan, a purpose, a destiny, a calling, whatever you want to call it, for your life that God has uniquely created just for you. 
And so if, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to be guilt-free, if you want the assurance that you're going to be in heaven, if you want a plan and a purpose for your life, and if you want to be a disciple, meaning a follower of Jesus, then I encourage you to pray and pray that prayer. Mm. Ask him into your heart, and that's what he'll do. Make him number one in your life and you, he'll never let you down. Well, we've been talking with Mike Kai. Thank you so much for sharing uh, the wonderful good news of Jesus with us here. And if people want to find out more about uh, your ministry, uh, what's the best website for them to go to, Mike? I'm glad you asked. They can go to MikeKai.tv. That's right, TV. So M-I-K-E-K-A-I dot TV. MikeKai.tv. And it's a one-stop shop to take you everywhere, to our church, to Amazon, to Kurong, you name it. Mike, thanks so much for joining us, mate. I reckon you're History Maker. God bless. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.